back, everybody, to the Listening Podcast, the only podcast that takes July off to ignore new new music, new music news. Probably not the only one, Jake. And we did so without any announcement. No, we did so when it went dark. And we did so without really planning to have done so. No, so life gets in the way. You know, sometimes you have to move, sometimes you have family stuff, whatever. Sometimes all that happens to both of you. Sometimes it all happens in one month to both of you, and life gets in the way. Let's talk, though, Jake, about how shitty a month July is in terms of new music, and dare I say it, just in general. Yeah, full stop. I mean... That, That might be an unpopular take for a lot of listeners out there. Like, no, come on, it's summer. You get July 4th, you get time off. But it's like, hey, uh... After that, it becomes just unbearably hot. It's one of the longest months. No, dude, the... the Doldrums, dog days of summer. The story of July, I mean, and again, my own experience colors this, but July shoots its wad early. Mm. It does, because, like, for me, my birthday's the second, the, then we have the fourth, so it's like you have this fun first weekend, right? and then it's like, oh, like, I'm a working adult, mm. and it's humid as fuck. Dude, today was so humid. I know. I got up this morning, early this morning... And was outside for a run, and it was already, like, impossibly humid out. Fuck that. July, big-time premature ejaculator. It does, It shoots dude. its water early. And August is a better month. Uh, I know you've... Uh, it's not much better. It's not much better. No, it's down there, too. It's, it's down there, it's, too. I'm, like, dreading this month. Or I, like, I'm fully ready. Once July 15th hits, I'm like, oh, I'm all set with being outside in the sun. I just want it to be cool again, and to, like, be able to be outside when it's comfortably cool i was thinking earlier about september very excitedly yeah although september's hotter than you think too yeah october's the october's the real like honestly september's become another month of summer uh but september does give us better music releases and you know what so does august july jake has been a dead ass month it hasn't been much and so as a result so there were, the the reason, really, listeners, that we took such a long break was like twofold. Like on the one hand, we had stuff going on. It wasn't always the easiest to plan a podcast or to get together to record. The other was when we would text beforehand to be like, "What do we got?" It wasn't much. We didn't really have anything. And like, I feel like maybe we weren't scraping the bottom of the barrel as hard as we could to find new stuff. But it it really has been a pretty dead month. And I think you know, especially for what we cover. Yeah, for the stuff yeah, we like to exactly. talk about. It's been a pretty quiet. Everyone month. deserves a little summer break, summer hiatus. I think we plan it ahead for for July's in the future. I th- I think so too. We just bake that in, take a nice summer break. So what we wanted to do with this episode is recapping the month of July in music. Uh, whether that be new stuff, old stuff we've listened to, biggest takeaways. I think one big takeaway that we both agree with is, like, July is a bad month for music. That has historically been the case since we've started this podcast. I think every summer, July rolls around, the new releases dry up after that May and into June kind of blitzkrieg of new releases. We don't get anything else. Everyone just kind of is, like, shutting down. It's like a siesta but, like, for the entire month of July. It really does feel that way, and it is just sort of like a lame month in general. Again, unless you, like, are one of these people who love summer, which is the majority. Who can, like, live on a beach. Which Even I, that. Like, I, no thank you. I don't like the, the no, beach, too man. Sandy. Not very too much. sandy. Although the new profile picture of ours, our banner picture on Twitter, That's is true. us at the beach. But, but that was, like, in October. T- no, it's a new, new one. 
Oh, I oh, 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 correct. Okay. Of okay. us at, at the beach during summer, although yes. I didn't even put together that both of those were at the beach. <laughs> right, right. That's interesting. Right. But it's us under an umbrella. I'm holding a book. Sean had a book, like, by his side. Well, And hey, we spent the entire time in the shade. Gotta stay under the umbrella. Gotta read. Gotta not go in the freezing cold water. Gotta <laughs> not fuck with, like, basically just sit. Sit yeah. in the cool shade. Don't do anything crazy. Don't get too uncomfortable. What we'd like to do now, listeners, is go through... You want to go back and forth, Sean, with our top three takeaways? I think we should, yeah. So let, let's do the, the top three July music takeaways. And these are... Personal. Interesting. They're personal. Yeah, they're, they're just like, what, what have we gotten up to in terms of listening? Because I think, like we said, July's a tough month. And I think we've hammered that home. It's a good month... To kind of go do your own thing in terms of listening to music. You don't yeah. have to adhere to the new release schedule. Like, I've had a nice little break of being like, oh, I don't have to scour the Spotify new releases or what's coming new on Metacritic. Because there really hasn't, like, been anything. So I've been able to just spend time with some new stuff that I had to go back and listen to. Yeah. Or listen to this one new album that came out this month, Jake, that I've been loving my I, first, I'm enjoying it too. My first July music takeaway is the new Wild Pink album, Yoke in the Fur. Um, I don't even know like where this band is from or where they even came from. This is kind of like a big shout out to like the Ian Cohens of the world who champion these types of bands. Who Stephen I, Hyden. Yeah, who I don't think would get much press otherwise. So this album, Yoke in the Fur, it did get an 8 or an 8.1 on Pitchfork. Uh, Ian Cohen wrote the review. Yeah, it got a pretty good review. It got at least an 8. It's this kind of cool, like, almost a little folky, but, like, sort of, like, grandiose rock type. But you know what it reminds yeah. me of in some ways is Hodera, but, like, yeah. like, but a little bigger. Yes, and, like, more polished, maybe. More polished and a little bit like they took more from you, too. In more, yes, more from just alternative rock radio. There's moments where you're like, this is very hard on its sleeve. Like, you could hear chords or riffs or, or guitar strums like this on like an alternative rock radio song yeah for sure and um i don't think i've listened as much as you but i've listened a handful of times now and i'm, I'm getting to the point where i'm starting to lock into a groove with the song yeah a bit. so i have listened to this almost daily since it came out and oh very nice yeah i've gotten a nice little little groove with it and you know what i found jake this month is i've been gravitating towards music that can kind of just live in the background almost. Uh -huh. And I think this Wild Pink album fits the bill for that. And that's not to say it's a negative. Because for, for me, I've been like, I don't want to have to listen to music that I really need to lock in on for the entire time. And I think something that has really upfront melodies or hooks or like things to really just latch onto at first, I would have gotten burnt out on. Hmm. This Wild Pink album and... Another one I've been listening a lot to is I've gone back and listened to that Snail Mail album, Lush. Yeah. And I think the melodies in both of these albums are just sparse enough, and there's just enough boring parts in a way right. on these albums where I'm like, oh, they can just kind of just be on. And I'll, 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 ch I'll chime in for the parts that I love, and then I'll kind of like just let it go for the rest of the time. That has been my July. That's like takeaway number one, actually isn't even this Wild Pink album. It's the Wild Pink and Snail Mail combo where I'm just like, I just want something on that sounds pretty good 
but isn't going to dominate my consciousness. Interesting. Does that make sense? Do you, do you have listens like that? Yep. It and does. listeners, I hope you do. I hope you know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah, for me, what operates in that space a lot of times is like ambient and electronic music. Yeah. But you can have it with certain rock albums, right. too. And I think that I, I agree with this. Um, while it's just soft enough. Yeah. You know? I, I It's, yeah, the like the, the hooks aren't in the forefront or whatever. I agree with you on that i i could see that occupying some space for wild pink for me yeah i i gave snail mail another listen the other day dude i just am like kind of out on that album i don't think it's that good i i I don't know i thought that way for a really long time like ever since it came out until the last like week or two yeah i was like oh one of the most overrated of the year like that's i don't know about that snail mail album but i've been listening again and and one like i just said it fits that profile of an album that can just kind of be on and you don't need to worry about it or think about it because like I said, there's these boring parts that I'm like, Oh, I don't need to worry about it. But there's also some massive, massive highlights like pristine. I think is one of the best songs of the year. Full control from that album. The third to last song is so fucking good. Hooks for days, great melody, great chorus. But then there's songs like let's find an out or speaking terms or even heat wave where you're like okay these songs are like a little more subtle than i thought this album would have been so i i know i know what you mean because i think if i were 21 22 i'd love this album and be way more in on it emotionally but when i listen to snail mail or, or artists like snail mail now i listen with a little bit of a remove where i'm like you're like 19 yeah. You are singing from this really unique perspective and you'll probably grow up in a couple years and realize that life isn't what you're singing about on this album. So I kind of am listening with a grain of salt the entire time and I'm listening in this weird way where I'm like, "Oh, I remember what it was be like, what it was like to be this age and to feel everything so much that you wrote a record about it." And you said these things, and you felt these things very much. And now, I don't really feel those things anymore, but I can still listen in this way where I enjoy it from in arm's length. I think for me, with it, with um, the, with that album, the Snail Mail record, it's like there's something to do with the, with her formula that doesn't do it for me. Yeah, I think there's something to do with like I don't find again with some exceptions, and there's moments I really enjoy on it. Um, but th- I don't find like the guitar lines or little riffs mm. all that interesting. I think I've kind well, they're not. I don't think they are. That's the thing. But I don't find many of the songs, especially melodic, with some exceptions. I think that her sort of whiny delivery yeah. is a little much for me sometimes. Yep. And I think that I'm getting a little tired of the like super sparse like. I don't know, like that sort of the reverby, really echoey. I think that's hot right now. Guitar- I know that's it is. Right I know now. it is. Yeah. It's like it's not. I I think it. I think it is something that will not age that well because the, there's yeah. this sound right now of like, and I'm jumping the gun here a little bit. Right. And I'll talk about it during the show and tell. But before Julian Baker, who I saw live um, last night in the in the park in, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, good show. There was a, a couple openers, and one of them was this younger girl who, like, good for her. She's out there doing her thing. I'm not going to throw shade at someone who's out there trying. But she's just she's just trying to be Julian Baker. Yeah. She had a fucking Fender guitar yep. with an amp and, like, a delay pedal. Yep. And she was just trying to write, like, this super confessional music. And yeah. it's like, you need to have something 
you got to be writing really fucking good songs to pull that yeah, off. Yeah, it's, t- it's tough. It's tough. It's be- tough. Otherwise, like, you should probably have, like, a band. You right. should probably be exploring melodic ideas through right. other instruments. Right. And, again, like, I think Snail Mail... There's I, certainly... I, I, I give Snail Mail more credit than that. I think her songs are more too. fully realized than, than, hear than me, that. Hear me yeah. out. Hear me out. I'm not saying that she's doing that. It's not right. her and just right. a guitar. Right. Um, I, I don't know, man. Like, there's not much I'm latching onto with it. That again, that's how I felt for a long time until I was just like, you know what? I love pristine, yeah, and I love full control. In what honestly, it was laziness. I was like, well, pristine's the second track. I'll throw that intro track on because it's the first minute, and then I was like, well, like I, I kind of like speaking terms. I'll listen to that one, yeah. and then after a while, I was just like, I'll just listen all the way through because it's only thirty-eight minutes, and I was like, I'll get to full control, which is my favorite song on here, and I ended up just really enjoying it. Yeah, I mean, but, there you go. But again, but, this goes back to my my takeaway for July. I want stuff. As I've gotten older, I want stuff I can just throw on, and not have to like be that emotionally invested in it or be that all in on every fucking detail of it. Because if I'm listening, Jake, to a new national record or even an old national record or Fleet Foxes or name any artist who we've talked about on this podcast that we love there's an emotional investment you need to make every time you put one of those records on yeah whether it be a nostalgic emotion you're trying to feel whether it be a current one whatever it is there's a price you kind of have to pay to put those albums on I don't feel that with the Snail Mail album and I don't feel that with Wild Pink where they truly feel like I, 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 I'm, I think at the end of this year I'm going to look back on this Snail Mail album and this Wild Pink one and be like oh that, those were true time and place yeah. records for me it's right. going to be like oh you just moved you're adjusting to a new way of life again and I think in a year or two those are going to hold up as emotional pieces of music for me more than they, they're they're emotional totems for exactly you, more so to speak you know even though the albums themselves might not be as good as you know god's favorite customer from this year yeah. or you know the push a t record or whatever it might be it well, might not be as good but I it's gonna it's gonna hold a place for me sure that's that's totally fine i think just like you can probably i think you understand where i'm coming from if you strip yourself of that context yes say you don't have a, a moment in your life that really changed to, that to tie it to oh what yeah why would you associate do you now are you just feeling that way with snail mail or do you feel that way about wild pink in a way too where you're like no, i haven't totally been able to latch on no with this most okay. recent listen to wild okay. pink which i've listened to less times than snail mail i'm already liking okay. it more again like I'm not trying to like dump all over snow. No, no, no. It's no, just not yeah. something that I'm really feeling. Yeah. And I think it's getting a lot of hype a- right. in a way that like I'm not totally relating to. I think it's a particular um headspace you kinda need to be in to yeah. to really, really enjoy it. But as for this Wild Pink album, uh, a few of my favorite songs on here. I think the opener Burger Hill is amazing. It's beautiful. There's some really nice guitar tone on there on the whole album man yeah on the whole album um i think my favorite might be yoke in the fur it's the third track the titular track that one really uh i think speaks to life experiences of this year um where you know there's the the refrain of um what what is it i'm uh i'm changing the path of my life yeah you know like that it's like okay, like that is kind of a catch-all for for anybody who could be just you know going through change. But 
uh, that 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 one really stands out to me. Um, so yeah, I, I've had a really good listen with that album. I think that's been the saving grace of the month in terms of new music for me, at least. I like the um, the guitar tones and like the general sound of that song Lake Erie a lot. That, yeah, that one's great too. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, but dude, I I, I would definitely recommend. I mean, honestly, dude, like I'd probably recommend both albums because like yeah, the truth is like Snail Mail's getting a ton of attention. Yeah, most people probably like it more than I do. So who probably that's probably yeah that's probably accurate. I think most people would accurate. like it more than yeah. I do. What's your what's your first big takeaway? Uh, I'm gonna st- I'm gonna go with um, one that also relates to new music first, and that is that um, I gave a listen to the Death Heaven album, okay, Ordinary Corrupt Human Love, I believe yep. it's called, that came out this month. Um, got a best new music from Pitchfork, has been getting good reviews. Um, Death Heaven in general. Um, a critical darling, I'd say, especially oh, yeah. for a band that is basically like they're sort of like a shoegaze screaming metal band. Right. Um, the takeaway is that there are on both Sunbather and on this ordinary corrupt human love record, there are moments of like true beauty right. on the album, like the way they approach music, especially in the interludes and in the parts that don't involve sort of more heaviness, um, and even with the heavy instrumentals. This band has a real way of building soundscapes mm-hmm. that are really interesting and truly gorgeous. Mm-hmm. They lose me, man, on on this singer. I know that's always how I felt. The way this singer with Sunbather, I was like, I can't, I can't break through because the guy in Death Heaven does this singing that's like, rah, 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 right? Rah. It sounds like he's speaking partial tongue. Yeah, and. I, I can't do it. I know. It doesn't it takes me out of it immediately. Now, do you think you'd like so you would like them a lot more if it was like all the same shit, maybe just not that vocal style. I would borderline love these albums if there was just no vocals. Interesting. And again, and here's the thing. I feel like I put a ton of time into this album. Yeah. I listened one time and I was like, you know what? Probably not for me. Mm-hmm. And you know what I could see is this being something where if I just found one hook if I found one thing to hook me, like, okay, I know on track two I love that part. Yeah. We'd be in a situation where you are at with, 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 with snail mail. Yes, absolutely. I think that could happen. And okay. I think it like that's something that happened to me with something like uh Godspeed You Black Emperor. Yeah. Um with with bands like that. I could see it happening. Um, but my immediate takeaway is like still with Death Heaven, like I want so badly to like it. Mm-hmm. It just seems like something that would be interesting to like yeah. and like there's so many things about it I enjoy. Still don't fully get it, especially with the vocals. Like I just I think it, it, I, there's a certain headspace I feel like you have to be in to be all in on that type of vocal style. I agree, and I don't understand it. And for that reason, I chose not to listen to this new album. Mm-hmm. I listened to a couple songs from Sunbather and had the same takeaway as you. I was like, "There's some beauty here. There's some really interesting stuff happening. Clearly, great songwriting going on. The vocals just not for me." It, it is alienating to me. Now, when I talk about I just want to put something on in the background and not have to really, like, worry about it too much, Deaf Heaven does not fit that bill. Right. It's, like, very in-your-face. It is in-your-face. Although, it's interesting because for someone like you where I feel like a huge central or a focal point for you is definitely the lyrics. Yeah. And it is for so many people. You can't fucking understand that, dude. You might even true. like it more if you listen to it yeah, passively. Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. Might be worth a try. Yeah, it could be. I don't it know. It could be. The, the thing is, is like I think Death Heaven is a band very worthy of people's attention. Yeah. I think they're 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 doing interesting things and like blending genres in a way that 
certainly warrants a look from you if you are interested in rock, if you're interested in metal, yeah. if you're interested in shoegaze. It's worth taking a peek, but it just is like I still can't quite get hooked I, I, on, the, I, on the Death Heaven yeah, train. I, I, I totally know what you mean. So what do you have as your second uh, takeaway for July, Sean? I have, Jake, J. Cole, actually good. Okay. So okay. for a long time, I, I heard tell of, of J. Cole. And people were like, ooh, J. Cole, he's good. He's got a big following. He always felt like this guy that was like, J. Cole people are weird. I was like, they are this off-brand. Like, they, because I've always been a Drake guy. And Drake and J. Cole have feuded, I think. Oh, so I was okay, always okay. like, ooh, J. Cole. Like, I don't know about him. So you were showing your loyalty. Yeah. And That's admirable. We had a, I had a couple friends who were like, oh, no, this new J. Cole album, K.O.D., actually really good. Like, you should listen to it. I was, And I gave him lip service. Like, yeah, 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 I'll definitely check it out. In my head, I was like, I'm never going to listen to that. <laughs> and then finally. I do that all the time. I was like, you know what? Like, why wouldn't you just listen to this? I was like, it got, like, like. People love J. Cole. They love him for a reason. Why not just listen? He's a ton of fans. And, and then a loyal following. You know what made me think here, Jake, was in Infrared by Pusha T. He goes, believe in myself in the Coles and Kendricks. I was like, if Pusha T is lumping himself in with J. Cole and Kendrick Lamar, I was like, I bet J. Cole must be, like, pretty good. Yeah, man. And, like, I... With, with J. Cole, I never really had any incentive to start. I didn't either. Because, like, I, I think we both like rap. Yes. But neither of us are, like, huge hip-hop heads. No, we have, our, we have our artists that we go to, and we don't stray much from that. And J. Cole doesn't get, like, a ton of critical love. And you know what? I think one of the things about J. Cole is people always say he doesn't use any features on his songs like he's not bringing in any huge names to be on his albums or whatever and i do think that hurts him in terms of like branching out and finding new fan bases because one of the one of the things that like with drake for example he will always be a guest on on certain rappers yeah. songs he'll either do a hook he'll do a verse whatever it might be kanye will do the same and Kanye's down to collab. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes it might not be the best. Sometimes it might not even be good. But at least they get you listening to other people. J. Cole kind of lives in a silo where it's like... That's the sense I got. It's like he's over here. He, and I'm not listening to J. Cole because it's just J. Cole. It's J. Cole Island. And finally, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to listen to KOD. 12 songs, 42 minutes. Came out this year. I love it. Very I think nice. it's so good. I think it's it's really fucking good. And there's a couple songs on here that really dive into and deal with real life issues in a way that reminded me of Kendrick Lamar. But two things stood out and separated J. Cole from Kendrick. One, it felt like Kendrick Light, where he'll bring up these issues, but it's like you're laying it on just a little bit thick with this. It's a little J. bit... J. Cole is? It's a little bit like you're... I don't want to say pandering, that's not the right word, but... Maybe it's not as gracefully handled. It's, it's more, it beats you over the head with some themes. However, they're still really important. Yeah. Like, there's this song on here, it's actually one of my favorites, it, it's called Friends. And, he, and this is a song in reference to kind of himself and a lot of people he knows that, like, use marijuana as a coping mechanism for life and depression and things like that. Something that I think hits close to home for, you know, a lot of people that we know. And... 
the way he goes about this is he goes, you know, he's like, my saddest days are without it. My loudest, or Saturdays are the loudest. Like, as in, uh, like, I'm smoking the most on Saturdays. But, like, my worst days are when I don't do this. But he's like, I know, you know, like, drug addiction and depression don't mix and all these things. And he's like, I got another, like, solution for you. And he's like, meditate. Dude, okay. You know, meditate. I'm glad you brought this up because I did, based on your recommendation, I listened once to this album. I, I will go back to it. That immediately jumped out yeah. at me. That part, yeah. I, mean, I was going to bring up, like, the one point I had yep. to bring up was the Meditate song. Yep. And I was like, oh, wow, like, this is not something you would expect a yeah. rapper to be talking, like, self-care. And how, like, we all deal with, you know, what it's like to be human and, and to, like, struggle with that kind of stuff. And he was like, oh, Meditate. Like, that, it's such a positive message well i was i i had that same takeaway man like how much are we growing up that i'm like oh it's yeah. a really it's, that it's a positive message well, that's the thing about j cole i didn't kids. quite realize i was like oh j cole's speaking to a lot of the things that kendrick is but in a way that i think is easier to parse through it has less of the artistic flair yeah. that i think kendrick does like it's funny because intro on kod has like these jazzy horns and stuff and i'm right. like you're definitely referencing like pimple butterfly kendrick yeah. or you know whatever untitled and master whatever you want to you know say the reference point is but this album it, it, it's like bits and pieces of that kendrick uh, artistry but in a more watered down format perhaps more digestible for it. for example like there there's a song um i think it's the last one i think it's 1985 intro to the fall off i don't even know if this is like a, a true album track or if it's a bonus track or what but He's basically talking about all these SoundCloud rappers who are out there now. And he's basically like, you know, everyone wants you to not give a fuck because that's what we expect when your skin's black. Yeah, he's like, but dude. what you're not thinking about are the people who look like me and you. And he's like, you are pandering to this white audience who's like, they want you to say this stuff. Dude. Because they think because secretly they all want to be black and they think it like if they think that's what it's about. It's just being like crazy and fucked up. And he's like, but in reality, this style of music is just a trend and he's like trap drums are the shit that's hot now and it's like he's like this shit like think about your future because just getting fucked up and being crazy isn't sustainable i gotta go back to this album because these it's moments, really fucking good these moments you're pulling out are ones that as you're saying them i remember yeah. and that did stick out to yep. me when i first listened and i i agree i think that he like he definitely shows a serious artistic flair and yep. it feels like maybe if there's one thing, it's like musically he hasn't found his niche yet or something. Right. Maybe that's all it is. Right. I do think, dude, that his his new look with the dreads yeah. and the long hair is cool. Very cool. Very cool. Really cool looking. So my, my big takeaway is J. Cole, actually great. I love KOD. It's much better than Scorpion. Um, in fact, I think it's the second best rap album I've heard this year behind Daytona let me by ask Pusha you, T. Let me ask you this, Sean. Uh, how many times have you listened to Scorpion now? Um, I, all the way through every single song, like maybe four times. Okay, However, okay. I did it's a, respectable um, number. I did an abridged version of the album where I cut out some songs that I knew I didn't need to listen to. And I've listened to that version in collections of songs another handful of times. So I've actually listened to Scorpion like a good amount. Yeah. Um, I'm over it. I don't need to really be listening to it anymore. I still does that think... kind of bum you out? Yeah, it does because um, Take Care and Nothing Was the Same and If You're Reading This, It's Too Late, I think are 
amazing albums, and I would right. still go and listen to those now. And yeah, uh, everything since, if you're reading this, has been diminishing returns, and it does bum me out that Drake is more of just this internet monolith of streaming numbers and broken records, and yeah, it bums me out. And I would be more in the J. Cole camp after this listen to KOD than I would the Drake camp. I think wow. J. Cole's doing stuff that's more, like, meaningful than, than it, Drake. Yeah, maybe interesting yeah, and actually worthwhile. Definitely, definitely. So, big takeaway, uh, J. Cole good, Drake boring, um, and I should go back and listen to more J. Cole. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, my second takeaway um, for the month of July uh, was, so, Joyce Manor, mm-hmm. Sean, uh, put out a single. They announced that they have a new album due out in September. Uh, the single they put out was called Million Dollars to Kill Me. Yeah. Um, and I realized, like, th- this is, a, this is a, I think it will be a brief one, really. My realization was like, oh, shit, Joyce Manor is of those bands, like, more than probably the Hotel Year, more than a modern baseball. Yep. Ah, at this point, modern baseball would excite me, too. But, like, I realized I basically took stock of how important Joyce Manor is to me. They are this consistent, workmanlike band that puts out these records of just, like, they're quick, they're yep. pithy, they've yep. got short, like, lovably catchy pop-punk hooks on them. Yep. And Joyce Manor's in, like, the top tier of bands where when I see that new music is coming from them, I'm like, oh, hell yeah. It's the same for me, and I had a similar reaction. I was like, yes, Joyce Manor, new album. Because so- it's two reasons. One, they're reliably good. You don't yeah. need to stress about like, oh, is this next record going to be good? It's like, no, it's going to be good. It's not going to be like maybe life changing, but it's going to be good, and you're going to have like a good stretch of listens with it. You're really going to like. It's it. going to be really good. The second piece of this is, I, I I think with Joyce Manor, it it's short enough and brief enough music where it's like. There's not a whole lot of... It's not, like, challenging music, necessarily. Not especially, but what you'll get from them, too, is, like, you'll get these, like... Again, it's quick. You'll be able to digest it and listen a bunch of that, times that's, fast. That's what I'm saying. It's like, and, yeah. And you'll get songs that mean things for different... Like, you'll have yeah. songs, like, on the last album. Yeah. Like, you'll have bangers. You'll have songs that are more, like, just melody. You'll have songs that mean just right. more to you. Like, for one, for me, is... Uh, this song is a mess, but so am I. Yeah, that's one that really hits me. I don't think that's as important to other people, right? But like you, then you 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 can rely on like the fake IDs of the yes, world, or like Reversing Machine is right. is one, yeah, right. Like, or um uh in in eighteen, was yeah, yeah, really good off that last album too. And like I just am excited because I feel like it's been we're in a bit of a dearth right now for for bands from this scene. Yeah, so I I think they've either been um, taken off off like basically out of the scene for for reasons that we don't need to go into right of being untoward in some way right and or, or they're, they're being, like on a permanent hiatus or, they're or breaking up or, whatever it might be and I, I i one of the questions i wanted to ask about this jake is have joyce manor become the best band out of that scene out of that 2014 scene and and by that i mean well in 2014 we got Probably the best album from Modern Baseball. Probably the best album from Hotel Year, and probably the best album from Joyce Manor. Yeah, I, I have they kind of been the ones that now that the dust has settled a bit, are are they the leader of the pack? I think you could still say Hotel Year here's, are like here's you know what, here's what I'll if say. Hotel Year puts out another classic next year, it's like they're in the conversation. But 
here's what I'll say about it is that I'm looking at it in slightly different terms. They're just the one where it's like they're just this consistent, solid band. Yeah. I'll always like regardless of scene, right? Regardless right, of scene right, politics, right. I just feel like Joyce Manor are these dudes, and they're this band that like. I don't really even care where they come from, what right. their background is. As the Backstreet Boys once said, Sean, I don't care who you are, where you're from, <laughs> what you did, as long as you love me. Right. And, like, that's how I feel about Joyce Man. I'm like, dude, yeah. like, I, regardless of your background, you're just this, like, fun band. I'm always down for a new record of yours. And But, but to answer your question, if not best, most consistent. And don't they, most feel, prolific, don't they feel slightly removed from all of that? Because you mentioned scene they do, politics. They're doing different things. And I think... When you talk about scene politics, Mobo, Hotel Year, they're they're maybe more caught up in it than Joyce Manor. Joyce Manor feels like they put their head down and just do their thing. I feel like they are in a bit of a move. They're these yeah. California dudes. Yeah. Like the I feel like the rest of those bands are mostly East Coast. Yeah. And they're they're caught up in all the different scene politics and all that right. shit. And like right. it's been tiring. Des- it's been destructive for yes. many of them. Yes. Um and I think that Joyce Manor like given their remove, given the distance they have from that, that's that's to their benefit. Yes, I would imagine. I, um, I would say so too. And so the takeaway for me was, I was like, I don't think I ever quite took stock. Like for, as an example, there are moments where I realize, okay, shit, this band is now important to me. Yeah, like it happened with like the National. Right. It, it happened with someone like Frank Ocean. Yep. Or Kanye West back when I got into him in high school. There's moments where. I realized, like, okay, this band, Radiohead, yep. this band really means like, something I'm to me. Like, I'm always going to listen to whatever this band puts I'm gonna out. I'm going to be yeah. excited for it, yep. and I'm going to be there for it, yep. and I'm going to, like, give it time. Yep. And I realized, like, dude, Joyce Manor's one of they those are. bands. They are. They're, they are. How are That's awesome. I it's love that. It's really cool. And I think that's what the realization was. It's like, dude, like, I I, I take these Joyce Manor records seriously. Joyce Manor, over the last couple years, has been a real, like, success story for us in mm-hmm. terms of, like, artists we've got into and it and helps it their music good. so damn accessible yes, it's so 100%. easy to pop on and like if you're in a room there's something so exciting about like we talked a lot about before how there's no band more exciting to geek out about than led zeppelin yeah joyce manor's a band like that where like yes. if you're in a room with three four people who all love joyce manor you're just like oh what about catalina fight song <laughs> yeah, what yeah, about yeah. constant headache what about <laughs> right. fucking like and it's just right. fun to like exactly because the songs are like 80 seconds exactly yeah yeah it's too it's very easy yeah. so that's take- a great point july great point. takeaway joyce manor is a top tier band and i'm very very excited for the new record I, I love that and then my last one it's kind of similar uh it's a quick one mitski she's a goddess and i think this is the year of mitski so i think puberty 2 when that came out in 2016 was like uh heat like Mitski's a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. And it already feels like uh, this new record that's about to come out is going to be like, okay, Mitski is like here to stay and is a classic artist. So throughout July, I've also been listening to Bury Me at Makeout Creek, which I think in some ways is like maybe a more consistent album in a better too. listen than Puberty 2. I think Puberty 2 has better songs. I think Bury Me at Makeout Creek, I would rather listen to front to back over and over again, which I have done in July. The new Mitski singles for this new record are really great. Um, I'm seeing her in a couple weeks in concert with Sydney Gish opening. That's an amazing... Great billing. Yeah. Uh, I think this is the year of Mitski. I love her. That was basically a takeaway for me. 
it's a takeaway that I'm fully willing to embrace. I still need to get into Bury Me at Mako. So good. It's Loved. so good. Dude, it's such a short listen too. Like it's it's an easy yeah. palatable. I'm gonna take You're the like, time. oh, this is just awesome. I'm yeah. gonna take the time. It's been more forgetfulness than anything mm. else. Loved puberty too. Have been enjoying what I've heard out of the singles from her as well. Um and I agree, man. Mitsuki's so cool. Um my last takeaway um has been so July has been a time where I've been able to li- go back and like listen to some classic rock a little bit yeah. classic music a little more um and so the past couple of days i've been getting i've been in like a big pink floyd phase yep um listen to animals kind of Ooh, like animals is underrated pink floyd animals dude okay here's what i'll say about animals if you think like ah, i don't like pink floyd i wouldn't get into it i don't care about dark side of the moon like give animals a shot yep and just see how different that is than what you think Pink Floyd mm-hmm. was. The part you hit me with this, uh, like probably three, four years ago, because yeah. I had that take. I was like, "Yeah, Dark Side of the Moon's fine. I really like Wish You Were Here." And you were like, "No, Sean, listen to Animals. Yeah, amazing." And there's a part in changed my whole perspective on the band on Pink Floyd because, like, the thing about them as a band is like. They went in a lot of different directions. They're a band that reinvented themselves a lot of times because yeah. they had Sid Barrett in the band right. during Piper at the Gates of Dawn right. when they were like kind of a psychedelic yep. band, like a, like in the truest 60s-ish right. way you could think about that. Um, and he had schizophrenia or like it took too right. much acid and right. like completely lost his mind. And so they had to reinvent themselves. They had this bumpy period from the late 60s to early 70s where they didn't know what they were. Yeah. It is a marvel that they ever came out. Dude, the... So they, they came out with, like, I think Piper was 67. They had albums like Umma Gumma and, I think, Adam Hartmother in, like, the late 60s, early 70s. Then they started to kind of rebuild with Metal. That album Metal mm-hmm. is really good. It has Echoes on it, which is 23 minutes. Right. It's kind of like the prototype for what yep. they became. And then in 1973, they came out with Dark Side of the Moon, which is, like, so much a staple. And the songs on it are so classic. And I have gone back since and listened... After kind of changing my perspective on Pink Floyd, it Dark Side of the Moon is a true classic and sounds amazing. It's dude, it is unbelievable. Which is like, oh, of course it does, Sean. It's Dark Side of the Moon, but no, I, I, I for me at least, I, I was always like, ah, like I could never get into it, kind of overrated. But no, it's like it's rated. It bears saying because like you've heard songs like Us, uh, so Us and Them, mm-hmm. Time, Money, Eclipse, so many times on the radio brain damage like you've heard those songs so many times that like you don't appreciate it but when you listen to it as a suite of songs it's incredible yeah and then like the run they went on dude 73 they do dark side 75 they did wish you were here which has shine on you crazy yep. diamond have a cigar have a cigar Mach- oh awesome welcome yeah. to the machine yep um shine on you crazy diamond the suite. titular track the song wish you were here then animals in 77 which is a total departure yep. 79 they put out the wall which I've only listened to, I think, once all the oh, way through. I've never listened to the whole thing. But but my whole point is, like, I Floyd is this band that I, I really, really like. And every now and then I go through, like, this kind of deep dive. Into yes. It. The other band I wanted to shout out that I've been deep diving. based. I had a conversation at work with a coworker who was going to see in concert Steely Dan. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I really, really like Pretzel Logic. Yeah. Um, which has Ricky Don't Lose That Number on it. You've probably heard that song, listeners. Um, it also has the song Any Major Dude Will Tell You, right. which is awesome. It's 39 minutes. It's a really interesting listen. Quick. Um, I got into the album Asia 
Mm. Finally. You've heard of Asia, I'm sure. What's on that? Uh, I Deacon Blues, the song Asia, Peg. Okay. Okay. It, it doesn't yep. have hits, but like I think you've probably seen the, al- yeah. the album art. Yeah. It's kind of... So, the two things about Asia. One, it is like more purely jazz rock yeah. than, than Pretzel Logic. What year did this come out? 77? 78? Some, in okay. that range. Okay. It is also like considered a high watermark for audiophiles when they listen to uh, like listening to albums that are recorded like perfectly. Yeah, it's considered that interesting. So, have you have you picked up on that? Have you noticed that it's recorded amazingly? Okay. Yeah, it's incredible. But what I did was like I was like I always like Pretzel Logic. I'm gonna do kind of a Steely Dan deep yeah. dive. In the last few weeks, I've listened to Countdown to Ecstasy, Gaucho, Asia. And like some of Katie lied, like a bunch of different albums yeah. by Steely Dan, and I I've come to realize that like I never really knew how to feel about them. I was right. like, are they lame? Are they right. cool? What's the deal? And I think the albums Pretzel Logic and Asia are like classic classics. Yeah, they're so good, dude. And yep. like they're this band where like if you you have to work your way into a groove, into a mood. They're a mood. You've got to like big mood. They are. You've got to be in a place where you're like, okay, I'm gonna like fuck with Steely Dan yeah. for a while now. Um, but they are interesting to me because they definitely trend closer to the technical side than I usually like. Yeah, because they were like these kind of like rock iconoclasts. They didn't love. They didn't even like rock music really. Hmm. They were more into jazz. They're more into like classical composition. Um, but yet they have these hits like Reeling in the Years and Dirty yeah. Dirty Work. Yeah, and like those Black kind Water, of songs. Yeah. Um, Black Water. Wait, that's, uh, what do you call them? Or, uh... Do It Again? No. Uh... Oh, no, I'm thinking of the Doobie Brothers. The Doobie Brothers. No, it's okay. Whatever. Um... Same, same thing. (laughs) Really. Same exact band. Yeah. Um... You know what's funny, dude, is, like... I always thought Reeling in the Years was the Doobie Brothers. Interesting. They, eh, there's overlap there in terms of... Uh... But th- here's what I'll say. That's how different... So those three songs, Dirty Work, Do It Again, you know, Go Back, Jack, Do It yeah. Again, and, um, and uh, the other song we were just talking about, those all come off their first album, and then they eventually just became this band. Like, I've been reading about them. They became this band where it's just the two members, Walter um, Becker and... Uh, Donald Fagan mm-hmm. and they just became a like a studio only band mm. after 1974 hmm. they like they didn't tour anymore even after they had these big hits off that first album yeah. they like, dialed back, like, we're just gonna do like what we want interesting and that's where their later albums come from yeah so wow. big big uh, deep dive month for me for Pink Floyd and Steely Dan so I think overall Jake the takeaways from July are kind of having an opportunity to take a breath Go back, listen to some stuff that we maybe wouldn't have listened to otherwise. Get ready for the second half of the year. And uh, kind of reassess where we're at with with music. So, for me, I, I would like to know like kind of where you're at. For me, 2018 has been a transitionary year out of being obsessed, obsessed, obsessed with music in terms of like, I gotta listen to every little thing so much so that I don't enjoy it. And I'm getting back to maybe not listening to as much or as obsessively and maybe enjoying it more. Um, I think for me it's been more what I would call like a regression to the mean. Yeah. It's been, this is more who I really am as a music listener. Yeah, yeah. And I think for the first two years on the podcast, I 
force myself for better and for worse. Right. Honestly, and there were benefits and and there were pros and cons to listen to do that to mm-hmm. do exactly that. Listen to everything. If if not if not a ton, at least once. Yeah. To like every album that comes out. Yep. Um, I've dialed that back a little bit. Now that said, like we've still listened to a fuck ton of music. If yeah. you think about the amount. Yeah. Like the number of albums. Uh, but I think that the, the amount of obsession has weaned, and I think that like I don't think it's sustainable. We have to also acknowledge that part of the reason we do that is this like weird sort of like friendly competitiveness. But I think all that's gone. I don't I don't feel that anymore. That's what I'm saying. I don't feel that at all. And that's, I'm glad for that's it. That's what I'm saying is that we've I think we've and this is more on a personal note. I'm sure people have stopped listening by now, but yeah. it's like that is more healthy. It is, yeah, very. Like very it's much, not yeah. worth. It's not worth competing no. about that shit. It doesn't no. matter, and no. you got it. Music is art, man, and it's and, like, and you need to feel it. Yeah. You got to enjoy what you're getting from it. Yes, it's yes. not worth. You know, you got to know what works for you. And I think that's been the biggest lesson of the year so far, and I think that was highlighted by both of our Julys. So, yeah. so I think that's good. So happy August. Ha- happy August. Here's happy to a better month in July. Year. Yeah, uh, Jake. Give us a show and tell about this Julian Baker show that you okay. went to. Yeah, I'll, I'll be quick. So, um, went and saw Julian Baker um, with big friend of the pod, Mary-Kate, mm-hmm. at Prescott Park in Portsmouth. It was one of those free, but, but free in quotation mark yeah. concerts. Because we walked in and, like, Mary-Kate was like, I'd like to donate seven, like, seven bucks. Like, that sounds good. And she was like, okay, like, total or per person? And we looked, and like the recommendation was eight dollars per person, right. and so I, we were like, "Oh, okay, may as well do sixteen. R- right. And right. like, right. do like that? Just charge a price because they shame you into it. They do, and it's like if I go and I'm not going to donate, I'm going to feel like a dink. Right. Right. And like, so anyways, we go, and so two openers. I forget both their names. One of them was the sort of like Julian Baker kind of sound alike that I was talking yeah. about earlier, who was singing not totally in tune for the whole thing. Again, mm, she's tough, doing her best. Tough stuff. It was. She was trying her best. She's doing her thing, and she's got a perspective, and she's trying, which is more than most people can say. So good for her for getting out there. Yeah. The second, um, I'll have to try to find her name before next time. The second performer was really good and had like, um, in a, a pretty amazing voice. Yeah. Like a, like a blow you away type of powerful voice and was singing more traditionally folk stuff yeah so julian came on uh she played probably like got through like five six songs or whatever um she did a lot of stuff from turn out the lights yep um or is that what the album's called turn out the lights turn off the lights turn Turn down the lights (laughs) (laughs) what's the dumbledore uh turn on the bright lights the uh de-illuminator or whatever that he has use your fucking wand i know like why do you need this cumbersome tool why'd you need to invent that (laughs) yeah oh you you keep that in your pocket too so she played some songs off that she played some stuff off sprained ankle um and, I was like, I got a sprained ankle right now. And you do. You have a literal yeah. sprained ankle. Um, big shout to Sean playing sick. Playing hurt. Playing hurt. Playing, playing injured, hurt. yeah. Um, I'd like to point out to the listeners that Sean is on a literal bed as we record. This is the most comfortable I've ever been recording. It's a fantastic yeah, setup like, you've got. This is great. If only I could ever emulate We'll it. switch. We can, we, you can have the bed next time. All right, we'll try it yeah. out. Yeah. Um, so Julian came on. She did like five, six songs. I am... So okay, I, I I've I've talked on the podcast before about how I have never been fully blown away 
by a Julian Baker record. Fair. Like, I, I think Sprained Ankle has amazing moments, and it definitely has some that resonates really strongly with me. I know it's very important to you, Sean. Yeah, love Sprained Ankle. Turn Out the Lights, I think, is an impressive album, more than I ever feel like it's an album I want to listen sure. to. Sure. Um, I think it's fair. Seeing her live is really quite something, because it she... Is. she does stuff with her voice that's very impressive. It's very, very powerful in an unconventional way. And she really, really pushes it and sings like as hard as she can yeah. on so many songs. She also is among the most genuine and best people in the music mm. industry, from what I gather. Mm-hmm. She she's so humble and 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 just like friendly and genuine. She's yep. and she's young, man. She's twenty one years old, yeah. maybe twenty two now. Oof. And she's she has so much emotional intelligence. It really comes yeah. across in every minor interaction I've ever yeah. had with her at a live show. Not yeah. personally, but like with the Just crowd. See, yeah, absolutely. And so about five, six songs in, heavy rain starts. Yeah. And a shit ton of people leave. Mm, and bummer. the uh, but Mary Kate and I were under a tree. We were oh, undercover, good. so yeah. we we sort of like we just hung out. We were like, maybe they'll go back on. So the crew came out. They put a, a tent up. Yep. Um. And and she kept playing under this like sort of tent on the open stage, and uh, you know again just very apologetic to the crowd. She's like, "Sorry, y'all are like out there hanging oh, out. Like, yeah. I'm, like this is awkward for me. Like, I feel weird." And it was sort of cute. Like she has her 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 uh, piano out there, her keyboard. And you, after a song ended, when the rain was coming down, I could see her talking to someone sort of like off stage. And she was like, "Yeah, yeah, I am like a little worried about the keyboard. Like, we, <laughs> right. we get that going." Right, right. So, anyways, they get a tent going, and like they, uh, she comes back out, and she she finishes with some songs, and like she did rejoice, mm. which is a, a powerful song. Yes. Um, and and what I will say about Julian is, while I've never been, and again, I I think as with snail mail, I'm kind of in the minority on this. Like, I'm not ever totally like I'm not someone who's going to pop on Julian Baker right. records all the time. Right. With neither one. Right. In fairness, and I like both, but I'm not going to pop them all the time. I'm always blown away with her live. She's yes. an incredible Powerful. performer and seems like an amazing person. And and for that, like I, I would go see her anytime. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And like, when you can do it at a park where it's free, aka you're being shamed into donating to go see the the, the free show that the town is putting on. Right. Can't but, but can't miss it. Free or not, though, because like I've seen Julian now a sneaky amount of times. Right. And there's there is something to be said about that. Like I saw we saw her at the Three S Art Space and also in Portsmouth. Mm-hmm. This time that I just went, and we saw her at Newport Folk That's Festival. Right. That's right. And uh, I gotta say, like, I I wouldn't turn down going to no, a Julian oh Baker yeah, show. No, you're gonna you're gonna get your money's worth. It's gonna be worth your time because Absolutely. she she's putting, she's really putting her all into it. And you can, and it shows. And it's like I want to support this artist. Yeah, because you just feel like this is a good person. So big shout Absolutely. to Julian Baker Absolutely. for sticking it out through the rain yes. and and putting on a really good show. Good. Um, I will be going to Lord Huron tomorrow at that same venue, at that same park. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for that. So I'll let you know about that next week. I think the last item we had, Jake, was a release radar. Not for this week because there's really not that much on my radar, at least for this week. Uh, but next week, Jake, we have Foxing with Near My God. I don't know if you've been listening to the singles that have come out from this record, but wow. They're varied, they're all really good. Um, I've been hearing the term classic thrown around about this album. I'm very excited for it. Uh, I'm going to Colorado shortly after it comes out the following week. You're going to have a time and place thing. I'm excited to like listen, listen, listen to this album. I've already told 
Brittany that like this is going to be something we're playing in the car a lot. Uh, so get ready for it. I'm excited for this album. I am too. I have listened to the singles. Um, I especially love Slapstick. I listened to the two other ones today for the first yes. for the first time. I will say that I think Foxing is a band that seems like they uh, really have an interesting perspective and angle on their yep. music. Really quick, um, where you're going to be traveling. Yep. You know what it is an album that reminds me of travel is uh, Sleep Well Beast. Yeah. Because I took my trip to the Southwest right. last September right, right after that came out. Dude, the Nobody Else Will Be There reminds me of taking off in the plane from St. Louis. I remember looking out the window. I was reading that book, 1776, yeah. by David McCullough. Oh, I can't believe that was like a year ago, almost. Dude, almost it was 11 months ago. And I, I was listening to, I remember I was starting a listen to Sleep Well Beast. And then. It's a great fucking I, album. I have a memory also of being in the airport coming home. Yeah. Uh, we were leaving Albuquerque. I was with with Mary Kate, and I was with my with my grandmother, who's now eight. She'll be eighty nine this month. Wow. Um, and we were in the airport, and I'll still destroy you came mm. on when I was walking to the bathroom, and I like almost cried in the airport. That song still gets me. I listened to that actually last week, just to be like, oh, I haven't listened to that song in a while. So fucking good. Yeah. That whole album is really really good. I'm excited. Um. Once September rolls around again and it starts to feel like the fall when that album came out, that's gonna that's a time and place of last year. I started getting the itch, man, just the other day yeah. actually because I listened. I didn't have a full listen. It was one of those kind of shitty broken up work ones, but I had the urge. I was like, ooh, I want to listen to Sleep Well Beast because yep. like I'm kind of I'm forcing the issue on Autumn. Yeah. I, yes. 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 I yes, want it yes. to be, dude. It was like probably yep. July 26th, <laughs> and I was like, I really want it to be Autumn. <laughs> yes. I totally know what you mean. Um, I can't wait to get those those fall listens. You know what else? Sleep Well Beast reminds me of. At this point, we're in full. We're at like a long point in the podcast. So yeah. I'm sure no one's listening anymore. Uh, it reminds me of disc golf. Dude, because, I know. You know why? Because, because we would be going in like the morning. A day after, I think the day, the first, that first Friday, it came out. I think we made a plan to go play at like seven in the morning. Well, dude, there was a point where we were going. This was right during. We the went big, like three times a week. Transition from work for me, and right. we were doing this thing where on Friday mornings, I think yes. a handful of times, we went at like six forty-five. I know. We were that obsessed, we were that into it, and... Um, I really loved doing that, though. I do, too, and I want to keep playing more. I haven't played as much as I'd like to. I had a lot of fun last time we played together, actually. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, yes, I, I remember suck, eight, but... like a 6.45 a.m. drive. It was, like, misty and kind of cold out, and I remember nobody else will be there playing. I was like, fuck, this is, like, big mood, big mood, yeah. So, big I, to the national, I, I, I'm excited for more fall band. listens to that, um, but... Yeah. Uh, anything else, dude? I got nothing. This was. I'm glad we're. This is good. Good return. July's a, July's a slow month. I, I I feel like as the year progresses, we'll be back with with more frequent episodes. You know what I think we should do, Jake? And I was thinking about this earlier. Is I would love to do more top ten lists of things in general. More more historical discussion. Yeah. And, I, and perspective setting of things than. Maybe some of the new stuff. Because I think, you know, we got Foxing and Mitski and a handful of other albums. But I think there's room to do some looking back on maybe maybe starting to talk about some best of the decade things. Because we only have a year left of this decade. So I think there's some things we could start talking about with that. And we could also 
dive into some of the other evergreen type of stuff we've yep. talked about, like doing podcasts dedicated to artists. Yes, I, I would I would really, really like do to do that. Do we have a Steely Dan podcast in the future? Maybe we do. Probably not. Probably not, but no, maybe we kidding. do. But I, I would like to do some of that stuff, so keep your eyes peeled, eyes and ears peeled. Thanks for listening, if you've lasted this long. Uh, we got some Harry Potter talk in the after show, if you're interested. Uh, yeah, that's it. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. It has been. It's been a bit. Life got in the way. I moved again. How many times have I moved since we started the podcast? It was, we started it when I was in my parents' basement, and then we moved to McGregor, so that was one move. Moved out of there into the other place, that was move number two. Moved out of the other place back to my parents' house for a couple months, that yep. was three. Four times. I've moved four times since we started this. So this is now the, in terms of total locations... We'll count the outliers first. There's Ian's. Yes. There's the car. Yep. Um, your parents' basement, McGregor, my apartment, your previous apartment, this apartment. Yep. Is there another one? No. So six, seven places. Seven places we've recorded now. Yeah, seven places. And we're doing the numbers thing. This is like one of those SI articles. Numbers never lie. Do you know yeah. what I'm talking yes, about? Yes, I where do. Like I seven, do. the I... number of locations yes. the listening podcast was recorded. Yes. Three... The number of weeks off we just took, mm-hmm. longest ever, mm-hmm. longest ever break. Well, and we'll get into this during the episode. July is a terrible month for new music, and yeah. like I said, life got in the way. It wasn't only just moving; that was one of them. I think Fourth uh, of July week was another one. I think we were busy, and then yeah. um, had some other family stuff come up. And you know, I think this has been a running theme since we've started the podcast. Is we've realized. As you get older, life starts to take on new and strange and scary forms and shapes. Yeah. And it gets in the way of other things. And in particular, I think I think music. And I think music is something this year in 2018 that has changed a bit for both of us. Not in a good or bad way, necessarily. It's just different now. Yeah. And I think that's maybe something we can talk about in terms of, like, we'll, July and how it's been weird. We'll dive in with that. A, a couple, like, quick stray thoughts, because I don't think... We never recorded first week of July, did we? I don't think we did. Did we miss all of July? I think we did. I think this is our last... Oh, we. I don't think we did one in July. That seems impossible, though, because if we missed only three weeks... Maybe we got the tail end of June. Let's take a look quick look at a calendar here jake um yeah yeah we would have we would have had thursday july 28th june 28th june 28th let's see we must have we must have done july 5th i'm gonna look at the last time we posted on soundcloud okay yeah because i think i already did i already talked about the dmv yeah 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 yeah. you did you did you did we posted i think you'd gone like that morning 27 days ago is the last time we posted so dude it's july 5th been four weeks okay that's crazy yeah um uh what july has been good for sean um is getting into harry potter again oh my god a new 
Seriously. I feel like it's a good summer it's been, thing. It's been the month of Harry Potter, actually. Like, that has taken up so much of my pop culture headspace. Me too, man. And, Harry like, Potter. Binge Mode Harry Potter is an awesome podcast. Legitimately the, great. Yes. The, the biggest pop culture things for me outside of music stuff has been Binge Mode Harry Potter, reading Harry Potter, and watching Succession on HBO. Is it good? So fucking good. If you're not watching that show, watch it. I, it's, a, it's a great first season. So I um, I heard Bill Simmons and Joe House talking yeah. about it on the that most recent podcast. I skipped it because I'm, right. first of all, so right. behind right. on fucking podcasts, yep. dude. Because of binge mode. I know. Yeah, it's this other thing to slip in. They're like long episodes. Binge too. mode was the straw that broke the camel's back. Yep. But, dude, I, they've got me by the balls. I want to listen. Oh, yeah. It's the one I look forward to the most every day. I want to listen. Yeah. And... and it's been amazing, dude, because, like, I... So, like, we've been rereading some of the books. You started at what? Prisoner? Started at Prisoner, yeah. And you're up to Azkaban. I decided... Up to Order. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, Order of the Phoenix. And yeah. I decided that once they started their... During the binge of Azkaban, I, I was going to do my reread of Goblet that I never did a few years ago. Dude, holy shit. Do I have a new appreciation for how immensely talented a writer J.K. Yep. Rowling is? Both in terms of structuring a world, structuring yep. a plot of a book, yep. pacing a book, and pl- dropping little hints, and like having these interwoven mysteries that come together yeah. while fitting in characters you care about, mm-hmm. plot lines that are not related to the magical parts of the story right. that you care about, like yep. Harry and Ron like not being friends yep. for the year, or like Harry hanging out more with Hermione, or yep. Hermione going to the, the ball, and like all that shit. And dude... I have such a new appreciation for how great a writer she is. I don't think, even when I did, like, that half rereading when I did 1, 2, and 3 a few years ago, that I had as much an appreciation for just how good these books are. Right. Uh, I, each reread that I had, I think I discovered a little bit more how talented and how lucky we are to have that series. It has taken until now to fully appreciate the master work that she's put together on those. So, and it goes back to kind of what I was saying to you earlier through text when you were like, can you believe, what was it, Order of the Phoenix came out when we were 2003. Like 11 yeah. or whatever. Um, and I said that feels like a different life. It does feel like a different life. Even though it's the same life, but it feels different. And now I'm I'm reading Harry Potter with this new perspective, and it's really nice. It's it, cool. It's so cool. And, like... Yeah, man, I think I just... Re- it's so readable. Mm-hmm. As an adult, especially, now that we've read all the boring shit we have to read. Right. Like, <laughs> right, you, you right, can just right. breeze through Harry Potter, right. and that's a testament to her writing. And it's like, why haven't we made the Harry Potter series like what kids read about in school? There's plenty of depth and, you know, elements of the story that you can break down and talk about in, not just a, like, you can think about in a thematic way. I feel like we're still too close to it historically where people won't respect it enough yet. Which is bullshit. No, sure, yeah. It's, I mean, a, it's a modern masterpiece. It, it's like, already, like, classic canon, you know? Yeah, it is. I, really quick, um, we don't have a Mount Rushmore for the show. Mount Rushmore Harry Potter characters. Oh, man. Okay. I feel like you can do okay. it. You um, can do it. Snape, Dumbledore... Sirius Black. Okay, so wait, um, before you give your fourth... Yeah. 
I had I did it in my head before I asked you, and it was Snape, Dumbledore, Sirius Black, and I have a fourth. Do you have your fourth? It's a toss-up between Lupin and Ron. I think I'm going to go with Ron. Well, Hermione would be up there, too. Okay. Fuck. Uh, For me, it's, it is Hermione. Hermione, I think. I, I think it has to so be Hermione. the same... Yeah. Hermione is such an awesome character, dude. Like, the... What a good friend she is. Here's... Before we dive into the episode, anti-Harry Potter, Mount Rushmore. Anti-Harry Potter? Like, your four least favorite characters for whatever reason. Um, well, you'll put Hagrid on yours. Not necessarily. I don't think I will. I'm gonna put Dobby on mine. Don't like Dobby. Dobby can be too much sometimes, and I think... some Part of it's the dialect. Yes, I think house elves in general can be a little much. Dobby isn't wanting to be... Talk normal. Like, dude, fucking quit it. You've heard English now. Uh, You live with the Malfoys. Number two... If any family is bound to be prescriptive in language, it's the Malfoys. Yes. Yes. Number two is um, Hagrid's half-brother, Grop. Oh, do I think I... Fuck that giant son of a bitch. Most boring chapter in Order of the Phoenix. Everything about... Hagrid, well, it, with the exception of Hagrid telling his story about going to meet the giants and, like, try and curry favor with them instead of Voldemort and the Death Eaters, I do not enjoy or care about his half-brother storyline. Yeah. Grop. In the, in the Mount Rushmore. Okay. I feel like I'll have more ammo for this later. Like, so, like, here's the thing. Because there's, there's a difference between characters you don't like reading and characters you hate. Like, I hate Malfoy. Hate I, Umbridge, but she's amazing She's an read. amazing character, so right. is Malfoy. I'm talking more about, um, same with Malfoy, yes, exactly. I'm talking more about characters who, like, you're not looking forward to reading their shit on the page. Yeah, uh, Dobby, 100%. Dobby? Winky, dude, like, my least yeah, favorite yeah. plot of Goblet yeah. is the... Yeah, is the Winky. The it's important, self. but, yeah, but fuck It's that. very important, but it, especially in establishing Hermione as a character and what she cares about. Yeah. Um, the fact that, in fact, the, the whole notion that Ron and Harry are so callous about that kind of bums me out. Mm. That they're like, no, like, they, they like it. And Harry, like, doesn't seem to care. Totally agree. It's totally a little agree. much, dude. Yes. Like, totally agree. Have a fucking empathetic bone in your body. Um, other ones, th- it becomes tough because, like, you could say like Professor Bins. You could like, yeah, it's like okay, that's like not. He's barely the, in. I think these have to be characters that like played a, ooh, a big ooh, role. I, you I, know I got who one I for love? you. What about the Creevies? I kind of like the Creevies. I like them, but like, I don't think they're bad enough to make it onto the the anti Mount Rushmore. I got one for you, really quick. I just want before we leave the topic of Creevy. Yeah. It is really really funny when Dennis is coming into the school. And Colin's looking over at him, and and he's you see Dennis like mouthing, I, I fell in the yes, lake, yes, like with amazing. all this excitement. And amazing. Glee. I like the Creevies. I do too. I like. The I Creevies. go back on them. Um, Moaning Myrtle. You don't like Moaning Myrtle? Don't love her. Ghosts in general don't have a lot of patience for in this book, in this series. I'm gonna lump. I'm gonna put ghosts as uh, as like a big a catch-all, like. Peeves doesn't even really count. He's a poltergeist. Peeves is fucking funny, dude. Peeves is funny. Nearly headless Nick whining about not being completely beheaded. Fuck off. Moaning Myrtle. Fuck off. Uh, Ghosts. I'm putting ghosts as a catch-all. As people I don't don't have much time for. How do you feel about, like... See, this is where I struggle, man. Because it's like, who... It it gets... It's slim pickings. There's so many good characters. 
No, I know it's hard. You know, it's, oh, it's I, hard. I got one for you, and he, he, I got one for you. It's not a character, but definitely a part of the story that I never want to read is the night bus. Night bus is a good one. I'm not interested. In that same vein, I don't really like the night. Bus. I got to catch all for you as well. The Forbidden Forest. What? I think the Forbidden Forest has some of the most boring. With the exception of in Hallows, when Harry goes in there to literally die. What about when they go in there and they see Vol- like Quirrell Vol- Voldemort? In- don't love that. And Dude. I don't love the Aragog chapter, and I don't love the the fucking Grop chapters. Well, forget Grop. I feel like- <laughs> no, <laughs> Dude, hung up on Grop. Dude, Grop I'm is- dreading getting to that chapter in my order reread. Grop is coloring this for you right now. Dude, the <laughs> chapter where they... Stumble upon. I, I never loved that chapter. Are you fucking kidding me? No, I'm me? not. I'm not. That's one of the most. I, f- I find that to be one of the most eerie and like haunting chapters in the book, man. When they stumble upon Voldemort, like scouring for unicorns' blood, and Ferenz is like, it would take a great evil. Yeah. To, like, okay. Kill well, a unicorn. you know what? Those centaurs are are annoying too in their own way. Yeah, they are. They are. Uh, I'm, you, I'm, lo- I'm I'm standing by my Forbidden Forest thing. Or the Dark Fort, whatever the fuck it's called. I think that is an interesting take. I I, I can't say that I Don't agree. Don't love the forest. I, you, know, you know what, like, if we're putting Mount Rushmore of catch-all things, Hogsmeade you is, don't, is, is Mount Rushmore. Of good things. Of good things. Oh, love good, dude. Hogsmeade. I was going to say, like, do you just, like, hate the books, dude? <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. I was about no, to I like, love any like Hogsmeade. Any, any Hogsmeade scenes. Is your game... No, I'm just checking the game here. Oh, mine's up a bit. Is yours... Is it? It's the top dial. No, mine's. I think mine's uh, fully down. Yeah. yeah. Um, because we just were spiking the volume. It's because I hit. It's because I hit this. Uh, Is that doing it? Mid range. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. I. What was I gonna say? There was something. I. Fuck. I think I lost it. Oh wait, in Goblet there was something that was kind of boring. There are things that you have to admit are kind of boring. Um, like. Oh, maybe it was just the house elf liberation stuff. You know what? I've n- I never loved either, and this reread uh, solidified is the Yule Ball chapter. You don't. I I think that's you hit a high in that book with um the first task and the unexpected task in the writing there. I think the Yule Ball drags a little bit because it always bums me out how poorly Ron and Harry treat the Patil sisters. That part said, I do think it's they like a- haven't figured it out. I do love that it's a big W for our girl. For Hermione. Yeah. Yeah. Like, big W for her, yeah. like... Well, Ron ruins it, in a way. Ron ruins it, but you can't take that away from her. Yeah. She had a big night, dude. She was with the Quidditch star. That's true. And she, she stole, looked great. She stole yeah. the show, man. Yeah, yeah. Little, yeah. little weird, little weird, oh, that, that Victor Crumb, 18, this 18-year-old... 14-year-old. Goes to it with a 14-year-old. Very weird. And, and, and Rowling basically insinuates that people are fucking in the bushes. Yeah. Doing st- at least like hand stuff, definitely hands. Well, probably magic stuff, dude. Can you imagine? No, why use a hand, dude? Ooh, when you can like charm, charm them, or literally, use, yeah, dude. Or use like a potion loop. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like automatic, like orgasm potion. Yeah, and dude, what? Or just sustained for the entirety, <laughs> right. as long as you want orgasm potion. And they're like, oh, let's take some of this before the ball. Imagine wizard drugs, dude. We talked about this. We did. We talked about this. Um, It's funny because in the books, like, Harry, Ron, they're all obsessed with, like, candy and going to, like, candy shops and, like, getting chocolate frogs and whatnot. 
that could just be an allegory for like the amazing drugs drugs that yeah. that they have at their disposal i would like i kind of would like like a mid-20s harry and ron like a little bored with life they're yeah. like you know what we're gonna smoke wizard weed like most right weekends. well they they uh there's uh an implication uh that mundungus smokes some kind of like wizard weed oh is because it? uh harry says mundungus in order of the phoenix at grimald place he talks about how mundungus takes out this um like pipe that smells like burnt tires or something and i was like oh i think they're probably making and 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 jk says he always smells like drink (laughs) like you know like and he's like unshaven and kind of just like this you know down on his luck guy oh i i have one for the for the bottom and i it's been it's been years since i read it since it first came out but like some of those like camping chapters and hallows dude right (laughs) I never hated those as much as other people said. However, I can't say that I'm excited to reread them. To get to them. Yeah. There's some... I think the sneaky thing um, about Hallows is as high as the highs are, there's some lows in that book where you're like, I'm bored. Camping, I think when they... Actually, I think when they go to um, Godric's Hollow... Yeah. After you know what happens there, and that it's a it's a it's a dead end, um, and the guinea is in Bethilda Bagshot's body or whatever. Oh, dude, it's it's in, been so long. Since like I, read I, it. I actually think Godric Hollow is a massive, massive bummer in that book. Really, that whole stretch where I'm like, they don't know what they're doing, and it's like stressing me out. Right, they have no real yeah. fucking plan right. yet. Right, they're still figuring it out. Right. Thanks a lot, Dumbledore. Now, if you had to, so of your Mount Rushmore, and then we can dive in. Yeah. Of favorite characters. Yeah. Who do you put at the top spot? I think it's got to be Snape, right? Snape? I think it has to be. Is the best character. I think so. Or it, Dumbledore. How Either about, one. So in, I think Snape. Though. What I forget with Half-Blood Prince, how, is he in the book a ton? I'm trying to remember. Uh, He's actually not. Ah, uh, no, I don't think he's in it that much. But he's like a major character. I think he's like, for most of the book, he's kind of biding his time in the background. They they show him at the beginning in the, the chapter Spinner's End, where he's talking oh, to right. uh, Narcissa Malfoy and Bellatrix, and he's like, I will help Draco with this. And then you see him offering Draco help throughout, and they talk about him being the new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. Um, but... I don't think he plays a massive, massive role until the end where he reveals that, like, he's the Half-Blood Prince and, kill, and, and kills Dumbledore. Right. So, that's kind of like the twist of that book is Snape is like... Who does Harry think it is throughout? Just, like, some book he found. He doesn't like th- he's like... he. It's never, like, this mystery he needs to figure out. That that's the interesting thing about how like that book because it's called the Half Blood Prince and you're like oh my god, this is gonna be so important, and the whole book it's kind of like actually kept on the back burner and it's not that important until the very end because it's like, what that's saying is like this is the book Snape kills Dumbledore really is like, this is about Snape this is a Snape story this is like, you don't know quite why this is important yet but like that's that's why i'm so excited for that reread me too half blood i feel like is like sneaky the best book she did i think it might be yeah and i'm excited to get back to it because half blood prince is like the album that isn't considered the best 
by like critics and stuff, but it probably just is the it's best. It's Revolver or something. Right, right, right. Something it's the Revolver of the of the, the Harry timeline Potter. Yeah, exactly. Go that way. Exactly. Um, I'm very excited for that. What do you think? Last thing, best Harry Potter book cover of the major American releases. Oh, that's tough. Um, I th- actually think I'm gonna give it to Goblet. I go Goblet. I think it's Goblet. And I think I go Half Blood next. I think so too. Then Order. Order. Agreed. The cover of Order is awesome, I dude. I agree. Then Order, and then I'm going to give it... I go Sorcerer. Uh, I'm actually going to go Hallows. I like Hallows more than you. Hallows is the one cover. of my least favorite I know it covers. is. Um, you know, the front cover of Azkaban I don't think does it justice. It's like maybe one of the worst. I think it is. It's, it's just one of the worst. Her- I do like that it's Harry and Hermione. I do too. Sharing the half the, the hippogriff. Chamber. Is she on any of the other covers? She's not. No. No. Who's on the is it Ginny that's on the cover of, of Chamber with him? On the uh back cover with Ron. Oh right. So it's just Harry on Fox. Hermione and Ron are on the back cover of Half Blood too with the dark mark. Mm. And Ginny I think. Right, 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 right. Um, I love, yeah, go, yeah, I think that would be what a, what a fucking... Amazing, amazing series. What an amazing gift it was for her to be able to craft all these characters we care about. I know. It's unbelievable. I know. I, it's me, I can't wait to go back and read more. Me neither. I'm excited. All right, you ready to dive in, Jake? I After am. After our hiatus? I'm so excited.